Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and I am fired up for you that don't know this. We are going to be doing our very first conference in Amarillo, Texas, Sunday, July 28th, from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Yes, I did say 1 to 10. It is going to be an enormous long day. So I want to give you the lineup. We're going to have Christy Austin. She's going to be speaking about kingdom transformation in the community. We have Bob Hassan, who also will be talking about people discovering how to honor can transform people's lives in their organizations. We're going to have Michael McIntyre from Dallas. He's helping people change mindsets and going to the next level in life. And then yours truly, I'm going to be releasing my very first, first, I said first, actually second book and how to speak God's words over your life and see radical transformation. And then here's the best part. Our friend Sean Bowles is going to be coming in and wrapping up the entire conference. So that being said, I'm going to hand it over to yours truly. Sean, take it away, my friend. I can't believe you said I'm the best part. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be talking about hearing God's voice for your, your world around you, especially business leaders, entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about hearing God's voice for real, for real, like we need to. Like you have to be a prophet if you're going to go in the marketplace. You have to hear from God. And so we're going to talk about, and when I say prophet, I don't mean in the weird old charismatic Pentecostal way. I'm saying we have to be a friend of God to know what he wants. And he he planned and pre-planned all these industries and all these things, our whole city, our whole nation, way before we ever entered into it, way before we ever manifested. So how do we hear his original plan and bring alignment between what was in his original heart and what we see today? And so we're going to, we're going to talk about discerning his heart, knowing his heart, hearing his heart. And it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be great. All right, Roar Nation. So check it out. Get on areyoureal.org. You can get on Eventbrite. It is the Kingdom Conference. Get your tickets. We're running some discounts. You get some of Sean's e-course. You get his book, my book. And uh, anyways, it's going to be a phenomenal time. So please get on there now. Get tickets while you can and have a blessed day. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and I am excited, and I was driving home thinking, how am I excited? And I was thinking one of those stupid emoji faces. So if you can imagine an excited emoji face, that's me right now. So that being said, having fun, guys, we are going to dive into something totally different. I'm excited about this. Our guest today is Banning Leacher. He is founder, starter of Jesus Culture, came out of Bethel. You guys, uh, we've had guests on from Bethel before. I'm excited about that. So, Banning, I'm just going to shut up and uh, let you introduce yourself. But are you cool with that? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's not going to be, it won't be too long of a podcast if it's just me. I, um, that, yeah, it's great to be with you, first of all. Uh, always love jumping on and just talking. It's always good to do that. I, uh, yeah, Ben Liebscher, born and raised in a city called Reading, which is where um, Bethel's from. And uh, so I've been there. I was there my whole entire life until about five and a half, six years ago when we moved to Sacramento. But I uh, was on staff there at a church called Bethel Church, uh, 18 years, started something called Jesus Culture, came out of our youth group. We were just a bunch of, I was youth pastor and I started pretty early. Uh, I was um, started ministry at 19 and then, um, we started youth pastoring and a bunch of the kids that were there 
we started doing youth conferences and the worship was pretty incredible. So we decided to start recording some albums and didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, the Lord just kind of breathed on it and it took off. And then we started going around the world doing conferences and campus ministry and just with a real heart to see a younger generation encounter God and, and uh, be sent back into their city and campus to be revivalists. And then, like I said, that whole group kind of picked up and moved to Sacramento where we planted a church. So I'm a senior pastor. Love it. It's been an incredible, incredible experience. One of the most rewarding, fulfilling experiences I've had uh, being able to pastor a local church. Uh, But above and beyond all of that, ultimately, I'm a dad, been married for 21 years. And then I have three kids. I have a 20-year-old daughter in college, a 16-year-old daughter in high school, and a 13-year-old son in middle school, which is where most of my dreams and passions lie right now, just that my kids would do well and that I would be connected to them. So, yeah, that's kind of me in a little nutshell. That's awesome, man. I got all kinds of good questions for you, dude. We could just go on rabbit trails for that one. I promise you. Okay. We could just talk parenting for an hour. Yeah, that's exactly, dude. There's, that's exactly what I was thinking when I said that. So, um, okay, let's, uh, we're all about kind of like purpose and discovering kind of like God-given talents and abilities and going into that. So what I want to do, if you're cool with it, Manning, let's back up. Um, you mentioned about being 19 years old-ish. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about filling that call on your life and kind of what that looked like about getting into ministry and yeah. uh, how that started? Well, mine's uh, maybe unique in some ways, not unique in other ways. I grew up pretty conservative Baptist. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, it, it was, uh, there's great Baptist churches, but I grew up really legalistic and conservative. Um, and so, but when I was 17, I started attending Bethel church. It was before pastor Bill was there, but I started attending there going to youth group and just to encounter the Lord. And, uh, I remember going forward on a Sunday night uh, at the time I was just into sports and playing sports. And I announced baseball games. That was my job over the summer. And I, the career I wanted was I wanted to be a sports commentator. I want to be a sports broadcaster. So I was headed that direction the summer before my senior year, I show up to church on a Sunday night and uh, the pastor's preaching. He gives an altar call for the message, not for salvation. And I went down, I knelt down and I said, God, if I'm going to do this Christianity thing, I'm going to do it hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, I just went all in. And I remember going home that night to the best of my knowledge, I've never once thought about being in ministry. And I went home that night and I told my mom, I want to preach. That's what I want to do with my life. Wow. And uh, so everything changed my senior in high school, started a Christian club, dove headfirst into church and youth group. And so, um, but my plan was I'd read a book on Billy Graham couple itinerant people. I've heard of Tompkins, Sean Smith, a few people had come through and I just wanted to travel and preach. So when I'm night, so I go to college, uh, with the plan of just being itinerant, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't, I, I don't even have really anything to say, but I, I could tell a funny story. Yeah. So I, um, so I go to college for a year. I come back to do an internship at Bethel when I'm 19 and um now, hold on real quick did they have any of their schooling there yet like they do now nope. or was that okay nope. so none of that this exists. is all pre all that okay awesome. so i came back to do an internship with just my youth pastor who was my youth pastor from high school yeah i stayed on a year doing that and then he said hey we'd like to hire you so he hired me as a social youth pastor a year later he comes back and says hey i'm going to plant a church bill would like you to be the youth pastor i turned him down i said no i don't feel I turned him down because I really felt called just to travel and preach. So I said, I don't feel called to young people and I don't feel called to the local church. <laughs> I just want to travel and preach. 
And yeah, so I said, yeah, I said, no, but a door that I thought was going to open closed. And so I came back and I said, Hey, I'll do it. And I, this is no joke. I didn't feel called to the local church. I didn't feel called to youth ministry. Um, I did think it sounded fun to be in charge. So sure. I'm like, it sounds fun to be in charge. And so I said yes to youth pastoring. And I did that uh, for 10 years. Um, so real quick, how big, uh, when you took over as head youth pastor, how big, how big was it then? What did you have going on? Well, so I was there. I don't know how many of your listeners would, under, would know Bethel's history, but I came on staff when Bill came and the church was just uh, losing people. Okay. So, so I don't know what the church was. Let's say the church was around 3,000 people. It got down to less than 1,000 people. Okay. And uh, the youth group, I mean, I, I came in the midst of just people okay. leaving. Chaos. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was an interesting time of, uh, I mean, we didn't care because we were encountering God in such a profound way. And, and I wasn't carrying the burden, the responsibility of not being able to give people paychecks uh, because numbers were so low. Yeah. But um, so it was just kind of that. It, it was that time frame. So I, uh, so I said yes, and I just and the Lord just got a hold of my heart. I fell in love with the local church, fell in love with young people, um, and then we just started dreaming about seeing our whole city impacted and seeing yep. a generation get saved. And real, real quick, I'm curious. And uh, did you feel like at any point, like that was what the Lord was calling you to? Did you feel like you were kind of surrendering to? being obedient or was it more just like, Hey, this door closed and I'm just going to go down this and just see what happens. Yeah, it was that. Okay. I think sometimes I, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I've, here's what, here's what people will ask me. Sometimes they'll say, are you surprised at what's happened? Like with Jesus culture? My honest answer is I'm not because okay. I felt something in my heart at a young age. What's surprising is the route. Yeah. That's what I would not have pegged. Like I, I felt, and I still feel like we're just at the beginning of things God had placed in my heart, but God put some big things in my heart when I was 17. And so I, I'm, I'm humbled by it and I, and I'm blown away by it, but, but I'm also, but the journey of it is I would have never guessed at all. I, I, youth pastoring, senior pastoring wasn't on my radar. I have never once been pointed to senior pastoring. Senior pastoring came because I got a phone call randomly from a guy who said, "Hey, you want to take my church?" And I'm like, ah, "I don't think so," but I couldn't shake it. And then it started, and then and then that ends up a year later. We're going to plant a church. Like I, senior pastoring wasn't on my radar. Youth pastoring wasn't on my radar. I just wanted to. I just wanted to see a generation awaken and be used. And so uh, music wasn't on my radar. Like the fact that God would have used worship at the, the level He did, or so you know. Yeah, I'm a guy that's like go through open doors. Uh, I, I'm like, go through open doors. I think sometimes we turn down opportunities because they're not our passion, or because we don't feel called to it, or because of what, or because we have. When the Lord speaks to us, we've put we've painted a picture in our head of what it's supposed to look like. And I'm like, well, this isn't what I thought. Senior pastoring was not what I thought it would look like at all. Right. So you know. I just go through open doors and pay attention to the word of the Lord in my life and, and try to do the best we can. And then you look back and go, Oh wow, that's crazy. I wouldn't have been, I, 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 this is not the route I would have chosen to get here. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, okay. So let's talk about a little, little bit about Jesus, Jesus culture. Sorry. So that has blown up obviously um, has been a huge thing. Uh, I don't even know how many years back I'm, I'm guessing right now, maybe 10. Um, I paid attention 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's probably, yeah, it's probably when it started taking off. Our okay. first album was like 2007. So 2009 probably is when it really started taking off. Okay. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and just kind of the, the culture you guys created and just kind of the, the mind frame around this and just say, like, let's just go for it and kind of talk about the process of how that happened. Yeah, well, I was just, I was youth pastoring. So I was youth pastoring. And uh, if you would know Jesus culture, if, if anybody knows Jesus culture, there's two main worship leaders that have been with us, Kim Walker-Smith and Chris Kilala. Chris Kilala, who's 36 right now, he was 12 when I started in youth ministry. He was, he was a middle school kid. He was in my wedding when he was 14 years old. That is hilarious. So Chris was 14 years old and in my wedding, kind of my first ever spiritual son. Kim had just turned 18, moved to Reading, and got involved in our youth group. So, and there was another girl named Melissa who was really connected with us. So we were like just a youth group going after God, believing for things, put on a conference. Um, and then, how, you know, how we were ex- in your youth group at this point. Oh, I, I have no idea to be honest with you. Oh, it's so long ago. I, I don't okay, okay. I'm just, uh, that's, Legitimately, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I, I'm trying to think of when. I don't know how many kids would have been back then, but they, um, but we were just going after God. And then we decided to start putting on conferences just to kind of like say, Hey, maybe we can bless other churches. And the worship was so profound in them. We said, let's capture that. And maybe other people can encounter the presence of God if we do that. And then some kid put it up on YouTube. Some kid put a song called how he loves on YouTube. This is before YouTube was YouTube. As far as like, now, you know, you got to put everything on YouTube. If you want seen back then, YouTube was like where you would post your home videos for your family to see. Yeah. So some kid put a video up on YouTube and it took off. And um, from there, we just started really dreaming about, we started going to Australia and Europe and, you know, the UK and just started going all around and doing. So, you guys, so he posted that video and it literally kind of went viral. And just sort people just started saying, Hey, come, come here. We want to, we want to play your music. Yep. It wasn't, yeah, I had nothing to do with it. It's the craziest thing. It wasn't a strategy, a plan. Uh, even how we did the video, it was our second album and we had done this first album and we kind of were like, maybe we should just capture. And they were all, they weren't even our songs. We we're just singing other people's worship songs, but there's a presence on them. So the second album, uh, one of our guys comes to us and says, I think we should record a DVD with it. I was like, well, how do we do that? He goes, I don't know. Let's go get a bunch of, let's just, let's borrow some cameras. I'm, I'm not making this up. So he just, he just borrowed a bunch of cameras. Yeah. We just started asking around, does anybody have video cameras? And if you remember this at all, got, yeah, I got a Canon XL. I got a Canon GL. A guy's like, I got an old PBS broadcast camera. We're like, great, bring them. We brought it, put it together, recorded this conference. I mean, recorded the worship at this conference. That was it. And then we, we put that with the um, CD. And I think a kid illegally, you know, posted it. And I had somebody call me, and back then, this was a ton of plays. A guy called me and said, hey, did you know that Howie Loves already has 250,000 views? Yeah. And I was like, what? That is crazy. And uh, it just took off. And so all of a sudden, it kind of put us on the map. And it wasn't even my plan. We even put it up. Some other kid put it up, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of been, that's our MO, though, from the beginning of like, I don't know. We're just doing the best we can to follow Jesus. And somehow we ended up here. You know what I like about that, though, is, is even for my life, and I tell people, is like, God gets the glory for that. So it's not like you can say, hey, I had this amazing marketing genius totally. playing 
or like I did anything. It's just like God showed up, breathed on it, and something happened, and you just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And 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 they want to know, like, well, tell us your strategy and tell us this. I'm like, I don't know. We're just doing the best we can to do what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, and uh, it seems to work out. That's funny. Uh, Sidetrack, this university called me. I don't know. It's It's been probably a year. And they asked me, and they're like, hey, how did you guys hit, like, number one? And 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 podcasting and all this stuff they're asking me all these questions because they're wanting to interview me but they're really wanting to take it because the kid said we're about to start a podcast at the university and uh, we would like to bring you in and could you help us tell us and man i seriously i had to tell the kid i said listen i'm 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 flattered that you would call me and i appreciate it i said but here's the truth man i haven't done anything and he's like what what do you mean i said dude i just record stuff i play it i've posted it I share it. I've had some great guests. I said, but if you're asking me from a A to a Z, one, two, three marketing plan, how did I do it? You're asking the wrong guy. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I wish I could be more help, but I can't. <laughs> and, and I mean, no, it, totally, totally. I felt bad. Yeah, I, I know. You're, you're like, I want to give you a better strategy. And I mean, there's some stuff we, you know, we, we, we've worked hard at trying to steward yes you know what he's done and and you know we're not we're, we're hard workers we're not careless and flippant but to think beth moore i'm gonna i'm gonna paraphrase it but she wrote an article a while ago that was like anybody in ministry that somehow tells you they got where they got because they you know intentionally did this or that she's like they're just lying man we just <laughs> we, we fell into this thing by just trying to follow Jesus. Yeah. And then, and then we steward it and try to take care of what the Lord's given us and do that well. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's funny. Okay. So I want to ask you some of the questions that just come to my mind. Um, you went from, and, and, and I'm just saying this, I could be wrong. So you're, you're correct me. You need to, but I, I would say you went from in the world's eyes, not very successful, which obviously had a group to like, some people would say you're at the pinnacle now of success. Like it's blown up. Right. Sure. What, what have been some of the journeys, like some of the journeys of things that you've learned? Because I think you were not prepared for this. You obviously didn't have a mentor. Things go really fast and things get thrown at you that you would never expect. Things that you had to learn about relationships, about stewarding, about finances. What are some of those big takeaways for you that you've really had to go back to the Lord and ask him like, how do I manage this? How do I do this? Because that's a lot that, that plat you went from a little platform to a really big one. And there's a lot of responsibility with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I connect, um, we do have a good support structure and I just go find people that are further down the road than I am. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't feel pressure to have to keep things because I'm not the one that got them anyways, you know. So I'm a pretty firm believer that if the Lord builds the house, he'll sustain it. If he opens the door, he'll keep it open. And if he doesn't want it open, he won't keep it open. I, I didn't open the door anyways. So if he wants it open, he'll keep it open. So I'm saying some of the pressure that people encounter when they get bigger is, is they feel pressure to, to, to maintain it, to keep it, to stay at that level, to keep going more. And I think when you have a realization that just says, like, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't get here in the first place. So if God wants me to stay here, then I'll stay here. If he doesn't want me here, then I won't be here. So if you can take some of that pressure off. But I'm a pretty firm believer in finding people that are bigger and further down the road than you are. And, um, 
and connecting with them. So, you know, I mean, for me, I, in the early days, I literally would just go interrupt people like Ron Luce. Ron Luce, who had Acquire the Fire um, and was doing stuff with teens in the nation. I mean, if I, if I was anywhere, we, we were joking about how far away everything is in, Dallas, in Texas. Yeah. But if I landed in Texas, I was trying to figure out how to drive out to his place in Tyler at their base and just go connect with him for 30 minutes if that's what he had. So I, I just, you know, I'm trying to interrupt people's lives and go get with them and, and take what they have. So, so much. Uh, so we were able to navigate a lot. I mean, the minute we, when we put on our first arena gathering in 2012, I mean, I'm on the phone with people that have done this before that are further down the road than I am. Did you literally uh, like people you didn't know? You just said, Hey, they've done it. And I'm going to call them and see if they'll answer the phone. Well, no, nah, some of it probably it's probably like some people may not know me, but there's some connection to somewhere of something okay. you know, where I'm like somebody that knew somebody, whatever. Usually there's for the most part, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that I just cold called. <laughs> um, but, but I definitely don't, I definitely, here's a little bit my philosophy. Like I, I have a real passion to grow. I have a real passion to learn. And, and, and I think, um, I tell people sometimes like I'll interrupt people's lives because I think I'm the best soil you can plant in. That's good. And the reason I say that though, is because I will do something with what you give me. That's so I have a lot of people that come meet in my office, but you know, they kind of, they come, they take an hour, uh, they, they listen, but they don't do anything with it. They walk away. They still do whatever they want to do. They don't really take the seeds that were planted. For me, I'm low maintenance. I don't need much. But when you plant the seed, um, even when we planted this church, when I knew we were about to plant two years, I am every single church planner I can find. I don't care if you have a church. And I mean this. I didn't care if you had a church of five. I didn't care if you had a church of 5,000. I don't care if you planted a year ago, 50 years ago. I am asking you questions. But I am doing something with what you're giving me, too. I can tell you right now, there's, I could take you to conversations I've had, and they said a phrase that shifted what we were doing, and we went back and implemented stuff. So I just, I, it's just a philosophy I have that, like, I, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find people, I'm going get, to get wisdom from them, and I'm going to do something with it. Sure. I'm going to do something with it. And, uh, and I'm going to get input in my life. So that's partly, so, so some of this stuff as it grew, the Lord was gracious to me and just helping me connect with people um, that were further down the road than I was that had some real wisdom. And I listened to them. That's smart. I like that. Um, I like that you said I'm good soil. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, that's true because we, when I think as you grow up and people come to you, like you recognize that people want to suck time out of you, especially as, as you get into leadership position. And if yeah. you can't recognize people that are worth sowing into and people who you know are just going to um, waste that seed, then yeah. it allows you to sow into the right people. Yep. Well, and I tell people, you know, people are so afraid of, you know, taking people's time. And I said, hey, listen, here's the people that drain me. People that drain me that are the ones that come connect with me walk away, do nothing with the call, do nothing with it, go do their own thing. Uh, they show up, they don't have any questions. I have to carry the whole conversation. I don't know why we're meeting in the first place. <laughs> those, are the ones, those are the ones that drain me. The, the ones that don't drain me are the ones that are coming. They're hungry. They want to learn. And when they leave, 
they take what you gave them and go do something with it. And next time you meet with them, they're like, you won't believe what I've done. You won't believe what I've done with what you, you shared with me. Like, that's life-giving. I'm like, I'll meet with those people all day long. This is incredible, you know, like, like that we can multiply at that level. So you're right, though. You're right. I mean, there's a, there's a difference between those, those. So I just don't want to be the person that shows up, asks for your input, and then goes and does my own thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just like, what a, what a waste of time. If I want to do my own thing anyways, or if I didn't want your wisdom, I don't know why I'm coming to you in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm trying to think about um, during this journey, I always talk about what I call couldn't be worse than this type. It's like that Moses moment where you're standing in front of the water uh, Pharaoh's behind you. He wants to kill you and there's water in front of you and he needs a split. You can't do it. Can you kind of tell me a story or lead me down a journey, uh, during this process of Jesus culture and what you've cultivated where you were kind of at that crossroad and God had to show up and kind of do a miracle for you to make things happen. Oh yeah. Well, you can just go down the list of those, uh, but <laughs> that's just, that's just, that's just ministry at some level. It's just following Jesus. Following Jesus requires a ton of courage and faith. So, um, you know, anybody who's going to go take risks, which is following Jesus, requires faith and courage. You know, I, I, I guess we went in 2011 to Allstate Arena. It's crazy. It's that long ago now. We went to Allstate Arena in 2011, and, um, you know, we had 14,000 come to this thing. And the Lord spoke to me that we were to continue. And so, like, it was just going to be a one-time arena gathering. We've been doing conferences um, but we, the next year decided in 2012, we went and got an arena on long in long Island. And then, uh, we went and got a 7,000 seater in, in, uh, LA that 12 months was by far the most difficult 12 months up to that point. It's, it's, there's been a more difficult time since then, but up to that point, um, because we just recognized that like numbers were not tracking and, and, uh, and it, this was, just wasn't working like we thought it was going to work. And, and we were having some internal issues on our team. And, and uh, I was just stressed, couldn't sleep at night. Uh, I was just overwhelmed by what we were doing and, and what was happening. And, and, um, and we ended up losing that summer between a trip to Brazil and two conferences. I think we lost like $600,000 or something like that. Um, and for us, well, anytime that would be a lot of money. Right. <laughs> but, but, but for us, I mean, we were still, I mean, I was 36 or something and, but I learned so much from it. I mean, it was really, I look back on it and it's one of those seasons where you're like, man, I wouldn't want to do that again, but I wouldn't trade it either. Yeah. Just learned so much about community and about covering and fathers and, and God's faithfulness. And it was a pretty beautiful thing. So, you, you know, um, uh, I could tell you stories of where God really came through whether it's we needed an offering or finances or a miracle. But, but for me, that time where I, I just am like, where it was just such a, the, the Lord was really challenging. Do you really believe me that I'll, I'll give you a generation in America if you'll ask me for it? Are you really going to believe me for that? Even when you get to Long Island and you have a 13,000 seat arena and only 5,000 show up, and the, the whole top's empty and the bottom's not even full. Like in that moment, do you believe what I told you when you're losing money and people aren't coming like you thought or whatever else? So those are just shaping moments. We all have them. You know, I, I think the reality is, is we all love sermons about trust. 
We all applaud. We all have bookmarks. We all get tattoos. We love sermons about trust and faith. We just don't ever want to be put in a position where they're required. Yeah. It's like, I love the concept of trust. I just don't ever want to be put in a position where I actually have to trust. Oh, yeah. And those are the positions where you're, you're just like, either God shows up or this doesn't work out. And it's not guaranteed. And I think the whole time in that process for me, it was just like, I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize I only did the things that were safe. I only did the things that were risk-free. I only did the things where there was guaranteed success. I never really stepped out in faith. I never really stepped out and believed God. I don't want to live like that. But not living like that really challenges some areas in our life and requires a deep level of trust. All right, hold on. Just I'm going to take a moment for our sponsor real quick, and I'm going to come back to that. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and I am fired up. For you that don't know this, we are going to be doing our very first conference in Amarillo, Texas, Sunday, July 28th, from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Yes, I did say 1 to 10. It is going to be an enormous long day. So I want to give you the lineup. We're going to have Christy Austin. She's going to be speaking about kingdom transformation in the community. We have Bob Hassan who also will be talking about people discovering how to honor can transform people's lives in their organizations. We're going to have Michael McIntyre from Dallas. He's helping people change mindsets and going to the next level in life. And then yours truly, I'm going to be releasing my very first, first, I said first, actually second book and how to speak God's words over your life and see radical transformation. And then here's the best part. Our friend Sean Bowles is going to be coming in and wrapping up the entire conference. So that being said, I'm going to hand it over to yours truly. Sean, take it away, my friend. I can't believe you said I'm the best part. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be talking about hearing God's voice for your, your world around you, especially business leaders, entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about hearing God's voice for real, for real, like we need to. Like you have to be a prophet if you're going to go in the marketplace. You have to hear from God. And so we're going to talk about, and when I say prophet, I don't mean in the weird old charismatic Pentecostal way. I'm saying we have to be a friend of God to know what he wants. And he he planned and pre-planned all these industries and all these things, and our whole city, our whole nation, way before we ever entered into it, way before we ever manifested. So how do we hear his original plan and bring alignment between what was in his original heart and what we see today? And so we're going to, we're going to talk about discerning his heart, knowing his heart, hearing his heart. And it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be great. All right, Roar Nation. So check it out. Get on areyoureal.org. You can get on Eventbrite. It is the Kingdom Conference. Get your tickets. We're running some discounts. You get some of Sean's e-course. You get his book, my book. And uh, anyways, it's going to be a phenomenal time. So please get on there now. Get tickets while you can and have a blessed day. Okay, so you talk about trust and then... I'm just thinking about being like kind of in that situation, Rena. At what point, I mean, kind of take me back to what's going through your head and then what God does, because the reason I like those stories is, is like you said, we, we all want the bookmark and the tattoo, but we don't want to go through it. But I, I, I like the fact that you're a senior pastor, you're, you're at the level you're at, but you're talking about this stuff because sometimes people don't want to talk about this stuff because it's, because it's, it's real and we have to admit like, Hey, I, I just didn't know if God was going to come through, but I'm just going to push through hoping God shows up. And it's kind of one of those moments. Like, well, like you said, God, God asks you, do you trust me? So like at that moment, kind of what's, what is going through your head and, and really asking the Lord and then what ended up becoming of that um, through the next couple of years? 
Well, I think for us, what came of it was right after we went through that pretty crazy season, um, it was a test we passed, and then we got sent to go plant the church. I mean, right after that is when the Lord started speaking to us about it's time to be sent. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, you can't follow the Lord without. What was in my heart was this. Um, at least I said yes. I, I think that there's something that says I'm going to stand before God one day. He's not going to ask me if I lost money or didn't lose money. He's not going to ask me if people showed up or didn't show up. He's not going to ask me how big this was or not. He's just going to ask me, did you say yes? And I want to be able to stand before him and just say the best I did, I said yes. And if the whole ministry goes down, if we lose money, if people don't show up, if I'm embarrassed, if my ego takes a hit, whatever it may be, I, I want to know that I said yes. And I think that uh, yes is costly. Like it costs something to say yes. And, um, and I don't want to, I, I want to know I said yes. And when he asked me to do something, I said yes. And so in those moments when we're going to lose a ton of money and people aren't going to show up and, and this doesn't look great and it's been overwhelming, I want to know in my heart that at least I said yes. Sure. If nothing else I'm going to be able to stand before God one day and just say, I did my best to say yes. So I think that's the stuff that just motivates me and moves me is um, standing before him one day. And what's he going to look at? I just want to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. I love your heart, Benny. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that is a thing is I've, I've had those conversations with myself is the same thing. I just, I don't want to ever stand before God and him say, you didn't, I had so much more for you to do but you weren't willing to do it because you didn't say yes. And that's, and that to me that it's a healthy fear that drives me to say, I want to stand before the father and say, you know, whether I failed or not, I was willing to do it and just take that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay. So during that journey, um, well, let's back up. One thing I want to ask you about, I'm all over the place is I want to talk about your book a little bit, because that's how this all started is. I got your book on, uh, I believe it's Rooted. Is that right? Yep, yep. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and the process of some of, of Rooted? Well, this is probably a lot of uh, what we're talking about is kind of where Rooted came out of, because for me, what I realized was, was that I, I want to come alongside people and help them see how God develops us in the process. So I think so many people are frustrated um, or they're discouraged or they're disillusioned because they don't understand how God uses a process. So the concept being that God's not interested in developing your vision. He's interested in developing you. Your vision is a natural outflow of your life. And, and when God plants a seed, whether that's a word, a dream, a passion, a mandate, when God plants a seed, the next step is not fruit. The next step is a root system that he develops. And that when the Bible says we're to bear fruit, not just to bear fruit, we're to bear fruit that remains. In other words, we're to bear healthy, lasting fruit. Healthy, lasting fruit is connected to a healthy, thriving root system. And so because people don't, uh, 
because people don't understand that God is trying to develop their life in a process. Yeah. We don't live in an agricultural age. What's happened is, is because of technology, because of the information age we live in, we're losing sight of, of how God develops us. So when Jesus taught, when the Bible was written, it was in an agricultural age. So when he said, you're to bear fruit, like they would understand this stuff. You're a tree planted by a river. They would understand the concept that fruit trees, many fruit trees, when you plant a seed, it's seven years later before you get a fruit. Uh, so, some, of the, some of the nut trees, it's 20 years later. Wow. You plant a seed, 20 years later, fruit begins to appear. So they would have, and they understand seasons and they understand process. Um, and so we've lost some of that in our society. And so we get confused by it. Uh, we have iPhones and it, if it takes two seconds, literally, if it takes two seconds to load, we're frustrated. So we go spend a thousand dollars to get a new iPhone. And when you ask, what does it do? It loads a second faster. And, and, and Amazon now, and, and everything is so quick, but we've, so we've lost the concept that, that there are seasons yeah. and that God develops our life and that God, and that even though you don't see growth, doesn't mean it's not happening. It's just happening below the surface and it's not linear and it's dirty and it's dark sometimes, but it's important. So that's the whole premise of the book is that I'm trying to give believers some context so they can get clarity around how God uses the process to develop our lives and how he plants us in soils. He plants us in the soil of intimacy. He plants us in the soil of serving. He plants us in the soil of community. He plants us in soils so that our root system can be developed. And it's off the life of David. The life of David is really, yeah. you know, uh, what's interesting about scripture is, is you read scripture and you just automatically assume they're your age. So we assume Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When I'm a teenager, I'm assuming they're a teenager. When, I, when I'm 25, I assume they're 25. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were 40. They were in their early 40s when they stood up, uh, when everybody else was bowing. And, and, and so there's a whole process before that happens. They made a decision as teenagers not to partake. And then 26 years later is when they stand up. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den wasn't a young man. He was in his 80s. Wow. He was in his 80s in the lion's den. We lose sight of this stuff. We lose sight that Daniel's not a young guy. He's in his 80s when he does that. Shout me, checking him. But David's the same way. So when Samuel comes to David, David was... He was just a, he was all, a preteen. I was going to say, oh, okay, I thought he was 17, 18. But no, yeah. he's, younger, he's younger than that. Okay. He's like, they think he's anywhere between 10 to 13 years old. Wow. He's a preteen when he's anointed king. He doesn't step into that until he's 30, almost two decades later. Yeah. And in between those things, in between anointing and stepping into being king, there's a whole process involved. Yeah. And, and, and because here's what we talk about. A lot of people are anointed and they have a word. So David was anointed. He was genuinely anointed by Samuel. He had a word from the Lord. What he didn't have was authority. He didn't have any authority. So, so what God had to do was take the next 17 to 20 years of his life and develop authority in him. 
He developed authority by being in the field. He developed authority by serving a, 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 a bad leader. He developed authority by being in a cave with a bunch of messed up men and figuring out community. Those things were trying to develop authority in his life so that when authority and anointing meet, that's when you're fully ready to step into what God has for you. And so a lot of people, they want to skip all of that stuff. They want to rush it. They want to skip it. They want to move past it. They don't realize that they're actually moving past the very thing God's using to develop their life for the very word he gave them. He gives them a word and then he goes about to develop your life so you're strong enough to carry that word. And we just don't like the process. And we just, we just don't live in an agricultural age. So we don't understand that process. He plants a seed and it takes a while. It takes time. And, and you got to go through some storms and eventually it bears fruit. I like that you said all that. Let me ask you this, because I know you've had to see it as a pastor. What happens when we skip the process? Because I think there's a lot of young people and there's a lot of people talking about what you're talking about. We read that scripture. Let's take David, for instance. One, one moment he's anointed. Uh, he's running for his life for a couple chapters. And then, you know, all of a sudden he's king. So we just read like five chapters and we don't understand that there was 20 year gap there and all of the stuff he had to. Some people do skip the process. They get ahead of themselves. Have you seen that or what the kind of the effects of that? Yeah. Well, I think ultimately when you, when you rush or skip the process, you're not ready for what God has for you. And so, um, you know, a lot of people, they either burn out, they can't handle what God's released to them. Uh, they, they, we all want an, you know, we all want an increase in favor. We all want an increase in anointing. We all want an increase in finances. We all want an increase in influence. But we don't ever think, is my foundation strong enough to handle that? Yeah. Because increase without a good foundation doesn't help. It hurts. So if I have a horrible foundation, an increase of influence actually hurts me. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. It hurts. Yeah. And so I think what you see is, is when an increase comes, if they haven't taken the time to allow God to develop their internal world, then they can't handle what's coming at them. And so, you know, there's many people that have, have, have crashed and burned off of that. Or I think sometimes they don't ever step into what God doesn't release it out of his pure grace. Yeah, that is grace. He says, he says, you want me to release an increase of anointing on your life. And yet you've done nothing to your, your foundation isn't strong enough to handle it. I'm not going to release it. And then we're confused. You know, you gave me a word and it's not been released. And it's like, well, it's just the grace of God. Uh, that because you're this big and what I want to release is this big and this big crushes this big. So, yeah. Amen to that. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So, Benny, what do you feel like personally as a pastor, what do you feel like your biggest strength is that God's cultivated in your life? That's my biggest strength. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a visionary guy, uh, a, a strategic guy. Um, I, I love people. Um, I think as leaders, probably your biggest strength, any leader who's successful has, has to be able to lead team effectively. Um, so, you know, as a pastor, church is built around culture and community. Um, so can you build culture and can you develop community? Both of those things aren't done on your own. Both of those things are done by having a team that's amazing and doing an incredible job of what they do. So the ability to really lead a healthy and effective team that establishes a healthy and effective culture, 
I think is probably one thing that we've done a good job with. I think I'll have to have you on a separate podcast and we can talk just about that in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, culture is a big one and, and, uh, and, and team leadership's a big one. How do you actually, yeah, that's a doozy. That, that's a doozy. Big, biggest difference between me as a youth pastor and a senior pastor is I understand myself more. So I understand my strengths and weaknesses, but uh, I understand people better. So the ability to lead a team, yeah. uh, I was like, when I was youth pastor and I, I had the best youth group in the, and I mean this in my, the best youth group in the nation on paper, Yeah, but I couldn't get it from paper to culture because I didn't know how to lead a team effectively. Hmm. I didn't know how to lead different personalities. I didn't know how to lead different strengths. I didn't know how to lead people that were motivated from different ways. And so now though, the ability to lead a diverse, healthy, thriving variety of people, uh, because I know myself more because I understand people better. That's, that's a huge one. Huge. I think a lot of leaders get stuck because they've got a call on their life, but you're not going to do the call on your own. You just won't. It's going to require other people, but they just don't know how to create. They don't know how to gather the right people around them. And, and for those people to stick around them because of the environment they create. Um, I have other questions, but dude, you're, you're dropping some bombs here. Honestly, this is good stuff. And I want to go into some other questions, but I got to ask you this because this is really good. How do you do that? Because I, there's people that are just listening and saying, man, I feel that call in my life. Or maybe I'm in leadership, but I don't know how to bring the right people. Or maybe they're saying, man, I have some really good people, but how do I cultivate that culture? Will you jump into that at least a little bit? Because I feel like it's really important because what you said is invaluable. Um, because if they can grasp that, what you're talking about, you can create an amazing team in, in ministry or business. Yeah. Well, a few things. One is I think you got to be, a, you, you got to work on your own security. Insecurity is going to kill you as a leader. Insecurity means I try to keep people down around me. They can't grow bigger. Um, I've got to be the main guy. Uh, so, so you got to get secure in Christ. Um, uh, my identity is in Christ. It's in him alone. And I love when people are growing around me. My, my, my greatest joy is to see people continue to excel as a leader. I want to lay my life down for people that can, that, that grow. So you got to do that. But practically speaking, you, you've got, you've got to, you have to have a passion to grow as a leader and understand the impact you're having. So I'll give you, there's some tools I can give you, but um, it's, it's one of the reasons why right now, I think the Enneagram people love the Enneagram right now. And it's just a tool for understanding who you are and how you're wired and the negative impact you have as well. Like, how am I impacting people? So for me, it was that I don't listen well. I run over people. I value task above them. And the ability to receive that feedback, where are the tools that I can receive that feedback? Where are the books I can read that can help me grow and say, I want to be a better leader that pays attention, that isn't distracted, that listens well, that, that isn't critical every time I walk into a room. I mean, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that when I walk into a room, if there's a hundred things and 98 of them are right and two are wrong, I see the two that are wrong. And I don't see it as a negative. I'm like, let's, let's fix those two things. But if I don't understand the impact that has on a team that every time we meet, I'm leading with the two negative things and acting like the other 98 aren't there. I have to be aware of that. I've got to understand 
the impact. So I've got to contain, I have to have a hunger to grow and get better. And, and I'm doing that by in the presence of God, prayer, having a mentor, reading books. But the other thing is, is I have to really understand people better and I've got to understand how they're wired, what motivates them. So whether it's the Enneagram, love languages, strength finders, disc test, something called the constraint profile, like, like I'm, um, I'm having to learn about people so that I can lead them more effectively. I'm not a guy that needs much connection to feel loyal. So I have what we, we call low need for affiliation. I can be by myself. I love people, but I can be by myself all day long and I don't feel, I feel fine. I can go to the movie by myself. I can sit in my hotel room for three days by myself. Like I, I'm fine with that. But, and when I connect with somebody, I feel just as connected. I haven't seen yeah. you in a year. I feel just as connected. But there are people on my staff, they're not wired like that. They need connection. They need, um, they, they need contact in order to feel that. And so I, once I understand that, I can move towards that. I understand their needs. I understand what motivates them. And I can help meet that need and move towards that. I have to understand that if you talk about it, I, I don't know if, any, if everybody would understand this, but the DISC test, yeah. um, the, the, the steady people, the conscientious people, that, you know, me, who's an influencer and wanting to change all the time, that when I come into a room with our team and I want to change something again, I have to understand how that's impacting people. <laughs> and yeah. the S is... What are, what are you by? I'm just curious. On the desk. Uh, I'd probably be an ID. Okay. So, so, so I'm walking into a room and I understand like, okay, I've got, I've got a, uh, like, they need more information. I can't give them whiplash. I can't be irritated that they're like, wait, what's going on here? Just understand all that better. Yeah. So, so if you're going to get good at leading teams, you got to get good at understanding people, how they're wired, what motivates them, what do they need? Um, uh, you know, and then you have to get really good at conflict. Brave communication, brave communication. A guy named Dan Fairley out of Bethel did a series called brave communication. I give it to almost everybody I can find just talking about how Dan fairly. Okay. And it's, it's just talking about how do we communicate with one another? How do we understand what's going on with ourselves and how do we listen well? And there's just all this stuff. So I'm just saying it's been 20 years of working hard at, fig, at learning how to communicate interpersonal communication, conflict communication, how to build culture. You just got to go work at that. And if you're a leader that's unwilling to do that, you're, I don't know what to tell you. You're just not going to have a team that's healthy. You're not going to have a team. You're going to have a team that's constantly rotating through. Uh, you're you're going to have a team that uh, is, is, is not made up of big people. It's made up of people that kind of, you know, you can walk all over. So yeah, you just got to, you have to have a passion to grow ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, it's great advice, man. I hundred percent agree with you. So that's great advice. Um, not not just because I agree with you doesn't make it a, a, a <laughs> doesn't make it great. It just is great. No, it absolutely does. I'm with you on that. Let's do it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Okay, so um, obviously we've been on for a while. We got to wrap up the show. I really would love to get with you again at some point. I know you're busy. There's a lot of things we could talk about. Um, but one thing that I always ask uh, is one of the parting. Uh, questions that I ask is, um, Banning, if, if you could go back to the younger you, uh, what age would you go back to? What advice would you give yourself? 
Uh, you get to be Marty McFly, so you're going to go back to the future. But uh, you can't change anything. You just know what you're going to go through, so you're going to give yourself a pep talk. Oh, man, my pep talk. I'm 43 years old right now, so uh, who knows when I'd go back, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, name any of those early, early adult years. But I, I, I think for me, uh, I, I think going back and just saying, hey, get internally healthy. Uh, as simple as it sounds, you know, guard your heart, all the issues of life flow from it. So, so we all have patterns. They're either, they're either productive or they're destructive. They're either dysfunctional or healthy. And so, um, so much of leadership is there's pressure or there's insecurity, uh, being driven by a need for significance. So, You've got to make sure. I mean, I would tell myself, focus on being internally healthy. Whatever areas in your life, don't avoid them. Don't make excuses for them. Go after it. Do, get emotionally healthy. Get, get healthy because um, make sure if you have any destructive patterns, if you have any unhealthy patterns, if you have any dysfunctional patterns from whatever, um, man, figure out what's going on there and, 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 and relearn healthy things. Um, because it's like marriage. And I would say this about leadership. As you get older, things don't get easier as you get older, they get more set. Like the pressure gets yeah, I think they get harder. Yeah. It's not, I mean, the pre- like I thought it was hard having little kids like teenagers is a whole nother ball game. <laughs> so, so it's marriage too. Like when you get married, your problems don't go away. They get amplified. Yeah. You're dealing with something as a single person. It's amplified in marriage. Yeah. Same as leadership. So make sure that your world's healthy because the older you get, the more responsibility you get, the more pressure that comes, whatever's inside of you, it's what's going to come out. And if you haven't said, I am going to make sure above all else that I'm doing the best I can to be healthy internally. And that I have, healthy um patterns in my life we're all trying to figure out how do you do how do you cope with stress what are your coping mechanisms don't make excuses for them if they're unhealthy go get healthy coping mechanisms that's good you know one of my favorite verses that's kind of been a life verse for me is guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life Yep, man. I've just had to stand by that. Cause like you said, if, if you don't guard your heart in the circumstances, the same come at you and really take it to the feet of Jesus. And when you're dealing with stuff, man, you can internally jack yourself up really fast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So last piece of advice uh, you get to give uh, is pastor Banning. You were leaving the advice to roar nation of, are you real? Uh, What, uh, what piece of parting advice would you leave us? Oh, this, I, I think that healthy, thriving, fully alive believers are planted in, I know we mentioned soils, but I'm going to give you three other ones, are, are planted in three soils. Okay. They're planted in the presence of God, they're planted in the word of God, and they're planted in the family, the community of God. So I would say if you, if you can just do that, everything else works out. Plant yourself, get a deep value for the presence of God get a deep value for the word of God and get a deep value for the community of God. If you can do that, everything else works itself out. I agree with you on that one. 
That's uh, I got I got saved I got saved when I was uh, twenty, and it really gave my life to the Lord. And you know, I, I tr- attended church before that. And man, I, I was just stupid. I didn't know anything. And, and the thing is, though, is as I went hard after God, and just any time I just went to the Word, and and, yeah. I, and that was literally my philosophy. I just figured if I do that, everything else will work itself out. I don't know how, but somehow it's going to work itself out if I just follow after God. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, okay. so good. Manning, how do we get a hold of you? Tell us, um, check out your book. How do we find your book, Rooted? Yeah, G- listen, Culture. Oh, you can get Rooted anywhere. Uh, it's on okay. Amazon or whatever else. And then com is the website. All the social media is The Banning, T-H-E, and then Banning, B-A-N-N-I-N-G. Awesome. All right. Manning, man, just I love your heart. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on. If you'll hold on just a second as we wrap it up. Warren Nation, I hope you got a lot out of that, man. Guard your heart above all else. Go after Jesus. Allow him to do a huge work in your life. And uh, just, man, again, just follow hard and things will work out. So a lot of great advice uh, that Banning left us. Check out his book and the things that he's doing. Check out their music. And uh, again, remember War Nation, we've got a huge conference coming up July 28th. Jump on, get your tickets. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go on areyoureal.org. And uh, we have a huge conference coming up. So love y'all. Remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.